0: Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Able to move the momentum of his kingdom forward, it's just not all about who sits in how many chairs, it's about moving the momentum of his kingdom forward. And each week, you guys help do that, and I think it's just awesome. And we get to be a part of it, and it's worth it. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's worth it. All right, so let me give you a couple of announcements some things coming up this Sunday real exciting day. We have our youth takeover service. Uh, We do this at least once a year. All right, well, where are those youth? Go ahead and clap if you're going to clap. All right. And uh, youth are going to be taking over every part of the service, and they're going to serve lunch for us after the second service for a small donation. And uh, we have our own Gabe Miller going to be preaching. Where's Gabe? All right. So uh, he's getting lots of help from me and every other pastor here. I, I hope we're I hope we're keeping, <laughs> not confusing him, but we're giving lots of lots of help on preaching. But he's going to do a great job. And what, again, a privilege it is for us to have a church where young people are willing to step up and serve. And it's just awesome. So you're not going to want to miss it. And, you know, it'd be a great week to invite some friends, even if they're not a part of church here and don't want to. It would be a great encouragement for them to see how many young people stepping forward. So great weekend to do that. Um, uh, This is a really important announcement. I really want to urge you. We have coming up our leadership summit and we've done this every year now. This is our third year and these meetings have been really a powerful time. I'm going to encourage you to come to it. It's Saturday, May the 12th. Uh, The formal program starts at 10. Fellowship at 9. Includes a really nice lunch and uh, here's what we're going to do. We gather together. There are people coming from several churches in different areas of Wisconsin. We focus on an issue, we share together, we have lunch together, we pray together a corporate time of powerful prayer for all of Wisconsin. We pray for each other's churches and we get in some small group networking times where we can actually meet with people and learn how to share resources together. Uh, And that's really what it's all about. If you've not been to one, please consider coming. If you've been to one, please come. How do you do it? you just go to our website, northernchristianalliance.com, and you can sign up right there. If you really don't want to do that, just talk to me afterward, and we'll help you get here one way or another. It's going to be a great time, and these are one of the things that are our privilege to help host and minister to people that are wanting to expand God's kingdom all over the state. Really hope you'll be a part of that. You don't have to be a designated leader. Uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you'll be particularly interest interested in our panel this year as we talk about what. Christianity in America will look like in another generation from now, and uh, we really have got some exciting guests that are going to be sharing. It's going to be a great time. You should be there, and I hope you will. Last announcement: uh, lots of fun things coming up. May 17th through 19th, each month in throughout the winter season, we have school season, I should say. We have Harvest School of Ministry classes. We've been wanting to do this class for a long time. This class is called Biblical Biblical Greek Number One. And uh, this is a class taught originally by Dr. Ron Cottle, who's a a Greek language expert, and it is done in a setting where we're gonna be able to workshop together with some other people. And I'm gonna be here to help coach and work through this class. If you've ever had an interest in how can I, you know, we're not gonna make you a language expert. But the emphasis will be on finding and using the right tools and looking, being able to, by the end of this class, three days, to be able to look at a Greek New Testament, take some tools, and actually find out what it says and do some accurate research. It'll be a great class, especially for those of you that are interested in any kind of ministry or teaching. I urge you to sign up and take the class. I'll be here, and we're going to do some workshopping, like I said. So it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be really important. Please sign up for it so we can prepare for you. And that sign-up is on the welcome desk. So thank you for being a part of what we do here and we're excited to be here. And tonight really excited about what we're going to talk about. Our messages on identity. The book of Hebrews messages from the book of Hebrews is been an exciting time for us to walk it through. And we've heard testimonies and stories about how people have really gotten something out of some of these messages. I appeal to you, please read the book of Hebrews through at some point in in this month, if you will, and if you haven't already, to discover this wonderful book. Tonight... As we move through the themes that are found in the chapters in the book of Hebrews, obviously we're not going through verse by verse, we're trying to catch themes in sections of the book. Tonight, as we pass through so many, we're going to get to this subject. What is real worship? What is real worship? I found one thing out. If you want to have a real hot, fiery conversation, ask people, what is real worship music? Then, then you'll, have, you'll have an interesting conversation. We're not going to talk tonight about what is your favorite or my favorite worship music. We're going to talk about what is real worship. All the stories, all the the types and and the practical lessons learned from Hebrews and, and the Jewish religion about all of the things that happened led to one thing, connecting with God. How do we do that? What does that look like? Would you bow your heads with me and have a brief prayer as we open this subject tonight? Tonight, our Father, we come before you and we ask you to help us. We ask that you would open our understanding so that we wouldn't miss anything that you have for us tonight. We pray that you would help us in our hearing and in our attention so that we would listen carefully. I pray that you would speak and breathe the Holy Spirit above and beyond my ability to really communicate your message to us and help us in Jesus' name. If you can agree, say amen. Amen. Let's open with this scripture tonight. It's found in the Gospel of John in chapter number 4. It's a beautiful answer from Jesus as he's talking to this Samaritan woman in one of the most famous discourses in all of the Bible in John chapter 4. And in this passage, there's a little dialogue and maybe even a little debate, at least on the woman's part, about what worship should really be like. And here's how she worded it. Matter of fact, Jesus started getting just a little bit personal about her spiritual life and she was doing what a lot of people do when you start witnessing to them. She was deflecting just a bit and she said, well, actually, uh, you Jews say that we have to worship in Jerusalem and the Samaritans worship right here in Samaria, so who knows who's right? This is Jesus' answer, verse 23 of John 4, but the hour is coming... And now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The hour is coming, woman. It isn't going to matter where. It's going to matter how. It isn't going to matter what. It's going to matter who. And Jesus said that hour, that time has arrived, the time for true worship. As we look at the book of Hebrews, we see the story over and over again. We see the parallel of the Jewish religion and how Jesus, the Messiah, fulfilled all the types, all the prophecies, how he was the substance that created the shadows of of the worship experience of the Jewish people. We see their religion contrasted with Jesus. But as we look at it. The story is pretty simple. God reaching out to man. And man trying to connect with God. And in Jesus of course. That happened beautifully. The result of God meeting man. And I want you to think about this before we go very far. Is worship. I know that. Here tonight, many of you have read enough stories in your Bible to have remembered some of the stories where perhaps you've read the book of Revelation, where John the Apostle says, I saw God and his glory on a throne, or you've read Isaiah where he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, or Ezekiel, or, or other people that have had experiences where they've come close to God. Here's what never happens. John the Apostle didn't say, I saw God on the throne, so I went up and said, howdy. How many of you know that didn't happen? He didn't go up there and say, hey, that's you, God. He didn't go up and see Jesus, whose face was brighter than the sun, and say, oh, haven't seen you in a wall? Give me a high five. Now, I'm not saying that God would be offended by that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that his being is so uncomparably great and awesome, so powerful, you know, a, a billion nuclear explosions couldn't possibly create the energy that emanates from his person. And when you meet him, you're probably not giving him a high five. You're probably what John said. I fell on my face like a dead man. What happens? When mortal human beings meet the living God, you're going to worship. You're not going to have to say, hey, pastor so we're supposed to worship now. It's not good. It's going to be God. It's just what happens. It's the natural response of the connection with so much greatness, so much love, that when we meet him, we're going to worship. And that's the story and really the object of the book of Hebrews. We've talked a lot about Jesus, how he was God in flesh, how he was the fulfillment of the prophecies and how he was the priest, our go-between between man and God, how he was God and man in one person. And that's all beautiful. But that has an end. The end is that we will go through Jesus, our priest, and meet God and have this awesome experience that we call worship. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across to this woman. It's not about saying the right prayers and being in the right place and doing the right ritual. That all had its place. But the hour is coming. It's here now where if you're going to worship, you're going to have an experience with the living God. You're going to go before this being who sits on the throne of the universe and he's going to be right up, full screen, right in your face. And you can worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's talk about what the book of Hebrews might have to teach us about that worship experience. Would you turn with me or follow with me to Hebrews chapter 9. We're just going to read one verse in the chapter. I I will tell you that chapters 8, 9 and part of 10 are all going to talk about this and even some in 12 and 13 about the worship experience. But tonight we're going to look at a, a practical example that I think will be helpful in us having one of these meaningful worship experiences. Hebrews 9 verse 1. Just one verse. So now even the first covenant, he's referring to the Jewish religion. The first covenant had regulations for worship. Sure did. <laughs> did you ever read the book of Leviticus and think there's a lot of rules here? Even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. Everyone say an earthly place. He's talking about the tabernacle that became the temple. He's talking about the place where the Ark of the Covenant was in. He's talking about the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept from the people by the veil that we talked about on Sunday that ripped in half when Jesus was crucified. He's talking about that tabernacle, that place of holiness, that worship experience. Now you say, what does that have to do With our worship. Well what I really believe. We can draw from. I believe there are some really good. Spiritual and practical examples. That we can learn from that tabernacle. Not that we have to rebuild another tabernacle. Because we have something better than that now. But what could we learn from it? So. If we really want to talk about this for a moment. Let's just lay out for you. uh, The. The picture or the framework of what that temple was like. What what was it like in, in, in rooms and in space? So the temple or the tabernacle had three basic places to go. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Those three places to go. If you decided, okay, I'm a Jewish person and I want to go to the temple to worship God. So what did you do? You went to the temple, and when you approached the temple, you were brought into the very first place, which was called the outer court. Everyone say, outer court. I'm not going to go through all the details. You can study this all you wish, and I hope you will. But the simple truth is, the outer court was the gathering place of the temple. It was your first step into worship. You couldn't just say, hey, listen, I'm spiritual. I don't need this outer court. I want to go right to God. You had to go through the outer court. The outer court was the gathering place. Today we'd say that was the hangout place. You wanted to go and be with God? That's where you started, outer court. What happened there? Visiting, sharing, reflecting. Hey, nice to see you. You're here at the temple today. Yes. What also happened there was preparing for the next place you were going to go. We'll come back to that. Second place of worship was called the second room was called the holy place and these were in progression first place was a hangout place you know it'd be like a giant foyer and we have a tiny foyer but it'd be like a giant foyer you come there it's like hey how's it going you know we're in church but but you know nobody's really preaching out there there's nothing we're we're here but we're not worshiping yet but it's part of the experience second place was the holy place in the holy place, there were some instruments and objects of worship. And some worship really did happen there. There was an altar and there was a place for sacrifices and cleansings. And, and, and there were some things that happened as worship in the holy place. Typically, the things that happened there were the kind of worship that you could control Physically. They were places for you to bring an offering and have the priest place it on the altar where it would be burned before God. A place where you could come and be cleansed. A place where you could could see the display of God's glory. Those were all things that you could physically engage. I would say you could choose and you could control what happened there. But it was worship. It wasn't just a hangout place anymore. Now you're actually engaging in worship. You follow me? The second step. The third place, we talked a little bit about Sunday. And that place was called the holiest place. In the holiest place, it was separated by this giant curtain. And in that holiest place, the most important piece of equipment or furniture, if you will, was the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where God's presence appeared. You know, it's really interesting design because there were no windows in that holiest of holy and it was closed off with a curtain which means if you're in there, it's pretty dark. And yet, the priest had all kinds of things to do in there when he went in there once a year. The, the literal belief of the Jews was that God's light would enlighten that room and he doesn't need help with windows. Whatever that was. But that place could only be brought, come into once a year as we talked about on the day of atonement. So that was a place that the average person couldn't come and it wasn't a place that you could control your worship. Hey, well, I'm bringing a sacrifice today. Excuse me, I need to get up to the altar and give my sacrifice to the priest so he can burn it. There was no excuse me's. There was no, hey, get this curtain out of the way. I want to go through. That was a place where you encountered God close up the progression, the hangout place where you prepared for worship, the holy place where your controlled actions and your physical worship happened, and then the place where you encountered the very presence of God that gave light to a dark room, that place where you went, it's you. There was that place. Now what does that have to do with us? I want to submit to you that I believe that this pattern, these rooms, this temple, is not something we should recreate physically. But I submit to you that it is something we recreate spiritually every time we gather to worship as a church. I want you to think about it. You come to church. I mean, you you can say what you want for thinking, well, I'm spiritual. I'm prepared to just walk right into God's presence. But... But there are some things that are pretty important to prepare. The outer court experience. What do we do in the outer court? I have a couple of thoughts for us here. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23. Jesus said this. Verse 23 and 24. What do we do in the gathering place where we're hanging out, where we're just coming? The first phase of worship. You, you walk into church and you're thinking, yeah, here we are. This is cool. Oh, nice building. Oh, I know that guy. And ooh, that guy's here. Um, you know, Whatever. Jesus said, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What's that? That means you can't just go running into the very presence of God and running past people that you can't stand being around because that's not going to work so well. What is the word? Preparation. Everyone say preparation. Preparation. You want to have a God experience in worship? Prepare yourself. Come with your heart and mind and realize it's more than just people. What's my attitude? You know the old song, I shall not be moved. I shall not be. Nobody remembers that except really old people like me. I shall not be moved. There's a lot of people come to church with that song in their heart. I shall not be moved. I'm <laughs> not going to get me to sing. I don't care how loud you turn it. Is that prepared? Do we really have to sing through three and a half songs before you finally get just the inkling that you might sing along? You see where I'm going here? If we want to meet God in worship, it's not God who's not showing up. It's how willing are we to prepare in that outer court experience? You know, you you get up in the morning. (laughs) I, I love this quote. It was a quote of... Joel Osteen's father, Pastor John Osteen, who's now in heaven, he said, I had five children, and when they were small, I was a pastor. The hardest part of my entire ministry was getting to church on Sunday with all five of them and still being holy enough to preach. <laughs> I get that. And some of you with families, I think you get it now. You walk and watch them come through the door, <sighs> kids walking through. You know what's been going on in that car. Well, Am I telling you that that's wrong? No, I'm just telling you that before you spend four songs here mad at somebody, go before God and say, God, I don't want to hold anything. If I was mean to those kids, go, go apologize to them. Get on your knees and say sorry if you have to. Or, or work it out with the wife or whatever you got to do. But don't spend the whole worship service in the outer court waiting to prepare when God's waiting to meet with you. Prepare the outer court. Secondly, the holy place. A holy place was things that you could bring physically to worship. What can you bring physically to worship today? Think about your bodies, things you can control. You can't control God and what He does. But I can't control my body. I can say I'm going to worship today. I'm going to sing along today. I'm going to pray when the pastor says pray. I'm going to, if they say lift my hands, I'm going to lift my hands. I know that's, you know, just really scary to people. It's like, ooh, that lifting hands stuff is really weird. I just dare you to watch the next Packer or somebody else football game in the fall. When they score and everybody's really happy, what do they do? <laughs> what do they do? Yeah! Right? What goes up in the air? Your hands. It's a natural response. The hands are a human's authority. The word yad is a Hebrew word for a hand. It's the same word for authority. What does it mean? With what I control, I surrender to God. Now, is there something magical about lifting hands? No, but it's, it's a nice start. I don't feel like it. That's a great reason to do it. Because if you go by your feelings, you might come through service after service and you might miss out on that special meeting with God because you just don't feel like it. In the the holy place, it was what could you control? You bring your body. You bring your offerings. You know, we we Christians say the dumbest things sometimes. We say things like, well, we're going to take up an offering. It doesn't matter what you give. Have you ever read the Bible? <laughs> I mean, hello. Did you read that? It said, bring a sheep, one year old, a male. It must be this type, and it must not have any imperfections, and you must have the priest inspected. He didn't say, listen, you want to bring a sheep? Bring a sheep. Bring a caterpillar off of your cabbage patch. It's all the same to God. <laughs> I mean, no, he didn't say that. It does matter what you give to God. Well, it doesn't matter to God. Does it matter to you? Because if it doesn't matter to you, it probably doesn't matter to God either. Well, here God, let me see. Huh. Sure enough, I got a penny right here. I'll get, I love you, Jesus. Give your wife a penny for her 50th anniversary gift and see how much she loves it. <laughs> and tell her, I love you, honey. Whap! something wrong with that love all that I'm trying to tell you is the Bible is full of instruction about bringing a physical offering to God you meet God and you go bang on your face you're going to wish you brought him something to show what you love how you love him so what am I saying things like tithing, offerings. That's all part of our worship. You know, we, we try to be really nice and tell encouraging stories about it, but the truth is, we're not doing it to be an encouragement. We worship God with our giving because we love him and he's worthy of it. Can someone say amen? amen. It's what we do. It's the holy place. We bring the sacrifice. We bring our offering. We bring our bodies. We bring our singing. Our words. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of, what does this say? It says identity. There we go. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that acknowledges his name. The fruit of our lips. Words. Words. Oh, I know people tell me this, especially guys that just, I don't know what it is, macho thing or whatever, but it's just like, I don't believe in that singing stuff. I think, okay, I'm not sure you're going to like heaven very much. (laughs) I'm not saying you're going to sing 24-7. You're going to be up there. That's all you're going to be doing. You're going to be a choir, you know, just, wah, all 24. I mean, I don't think you're going to do that. But if you've ever read the book of Revelation, where John said heaven was opened, and they sang, a new song and they sang the song of Moses and the song of the lamb and the billions of people there with one language come from every nation begin to lift up a voice and they sing and they worship and if you think music can be cool down here what do you think's going to happen there and you're going to go oh, I don't believe in that singing and you're going to die and land in heaven and go oh oh man what was I thinking the sacrifice of praise. Those are things we bring in the holy place. We control that. You get to choose it. You come to church, you're in the outer court. Make sure you're ready to go. Make sure you're prepared. Make sure you, br- you, you got something, you're, you're, you're thinking about this. You got something wrong with somebody, you fix it. You got an attitude, you ask God to forgive you. You get it ready. And I'm speaking from experience. I'm a pastor, but I can come to church, oh, I gotta fix that, God. And then I bring my offerings. And I lift my hands even if I don't feel like it. And I sing even if I don't like the song. Because it's not for me. It's not entertainment. It's not jukebox. And I put in a quarter and get what song I want. I sing it for God. And I worship him. And I look up. I look up from that place. And I see there's a curtain. But it's been ripped in half. And as I look through the fog of my rebellion and my attitude, (gasps) there he is. And I encounter God, and I can have that experience every single time we gather. Doesn't matter how good the music was, we do a really good job, we have beautiful people that work so hard to make it beautiful, but that's that's not the equivalent, that's just the tool to help us get there quicker. Are you following me? You're going to look up coming through the outer court and in the inner place, the holy place. You're going to drop your gifts in the basket and you're going to look up and you go, oh, the curtain's been ripped. I, I, don't, I don't need the priest to take my offering anymore. I, I, don't need, I don't need blood from a bull anymore. I look up there and I see God and I look at him and he's Jesus and I fall on my face and go, that's what I came here for to meet you to let you speak to my heart. And you know I know that there are people that come to church and they they're not quite ready for that. It's all good. But they feel it. It's like a draft. I watch sometimes, you know, we have big new visitor service, lots of new people on Sunday sometimes and I watch and they're standing in the back and people are worshiping and you can tell there's people crying, they're having one of these God experiences and new people are looking around like Whew. what is this? I don't think they're just weirded out. I think they can feel the draft of his presence breathing past their, their, their face. And that's a good thing, church. That's not a bad thing. Because then they realize, somebody's here. Somebody's here other than the preacher and other than the people. And it's Jesus. And the goal of our worship The experience of our worship is to offer God our everything. When we look through that broken, that ripped curtain, we look at God, and there we offer him everything. That's when you throw yourself on the floor. You don't have to do it physically here, but you you throw yourself on the floor in your heart and say, you are God. I'll never remember, I'll never forget the time our son was in, in college in Australia, and we went to Hillsong church concert or, or, or uh, conference and this giant 20,000 seat auditorium and they were singing and they were worshipping and it was really fun and it was really good music and it was really impressive and, and I was there and it was, you know, it was really powerful but I remember standing by my wife and, and we were just singing and I thought you know this is really cool but I'm just going to close my eyes and I was just taken up with the fact that Jesus you're all that matters and I just remember saying that over and over. Jesus, you're all that matters. And I felt like he spoke to me. Just really touched my heart and gave me something that I would have never got had I not had that experience. When you look through that ripped curtain, you surrender everything. Romans 12:1. I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. Give him everything. It's when we express our real love for God. Somebody has to tell you what to say. Tell him you love him over and over and over and over. Well, I mean, try that on your wife. No, it's it's not a learned thing. It's looking through that ripped curtain and go, there you are. Nobody has to tell you what to say then. Maybe you don't need to say anything at all. It's love for God expressed. It's waiting on him. And Just go to him and get directions like you do from your navigation tool on your phone. God, what do you want me to do now? He gives us directions sometimes and it's nice, but that, that kind of cheapens the whole reason for going he's not a navigation tool he's God so when you get there and you look through that curtain and there he is maybe just stop and listen just let your heart soak in his presence when you wait on him because when you worship God you experience God and it's a cycle because when you experience God you're going to worship him and when you worship him right, you're going to experience him. And then when you experience him, you're going to worship him. And it's not something somebody has to teach you. And it's not somebody, something somebody has to scold you into. <laughs> I used to have my kids, you know, I'd watch them in church. They're sitting there. I'd say, what are we doing right now? Singing. I'm not seeing your mouths open. To sing, kids, right now. I mean, I, you know, I, I made them do it as parent, But I, that, you know, that, that's not so effective. When you see God for who He is, you worship. Would you stand with me tonight? The book of Hebrews. What's the goal? To get you and me from our lost state, from our broken life, from where I send myself into trouble. And I feel like there's no hope for me, and I'm met by Jesus, my Savior. And he takes my hand and the sin falls off of me. And the scales of of deception fall from my eyes. And I take Jesus' hand and he lifts me up from that mess I've made. And he walks me through that outer court. And I make sure, I want to make sure I forgive people here. I want to make sure I'm good. And he takes me into that holy place. And there I offer him whatever I can bring him. And I bring him my gifts and my tithes and my, my love and, my, and I sing and I do what I'm asked to do as a corporate part of worship. And then he said, are you ready? And he said, take a look up there. That's my father. And I go, oh, that's why he died. So you could meet him. So you could be with him. Not just to get you to a heaven that you're going to be bored in but to get you to his father. Remember, in my father's house, there are many mansions. You know what the word mansion means? A place for you. It's a place for you behind that ripped curtain. And Jesus said, that's why I came. I'm going to take you there. Let's pray. Jesus, tonight, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for this example of the temple in the Old Testament. And we thank you for the opportunity that you give us here day in and day out, to worship and experience the living God. Perhaps there are some here tonight that are newer, but no one is less welcome than another. We are all here as your children. Tonight I pray that you would use these moments to encourage us, to help us, to know that we can worship you together here, and yes, we can worship even in our homes, with our families. I pray that you help us do it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed tonight, if you're here and you would like to say, I want to surrender to Jesus. I believe that he died for me and I believe he he wants to save me, but I need him and I want to welcome him into my life. If that describes you, if you're here or you're watching on the live broadcast, would you raise your hand if you're here to let us know that we can pray for you? How many of you would say, yes, pray for me. I want Jesus in my life. I'm going to surrender to him. Give him all that I am. All right. Our Father, tonight we thank you for our time together. We pray for us here and those who are watching us all over in different places. We pray that we would make sure that all is right with you. If we've turned around and walked from you, help us to turn back to you. Help us to have all that you want for us. In Jesus' name, and we said, amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. If you would like prayer, you got something in your life you need some help with, please come forward. We have people who would be happy to pray with you.